Hello and welcome to our February podcast. We have a short but sweet episode for you today. This episode contains an interview with Dr. Aoife McLeisett, who is Professor of Molecular Evolution in Trinity College, Dublin. Professor McLeisett talked to us back in uh, January and she spoke about her career, uh, how she managed to get to the top of her career as, as a professor in Trinity and about what she's doing at the minute, how her career is evolving with COVID-19, and also how she genome sequenced her dog. I had no idea what that means, but she explains it, and it sounds extremely interesting. Enjoy! Hi, everybody! Today we're talking to Aoife McClyssett, a professor of molecular evolution in Smurfit Institute of Genetics and Trinity University in Dublin. Hey, Aoife, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Great. So first and foremost, let's just start off with some short, quick fire questions, and then we'll move on to the big stuff. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Cool. Sweet or sour? Oh, both. Okay. Lemon or lime? Uh, both. <laughs> Why do I have to pick? <laughs> you have to. Um, <laughs> Trinity ball or electric picnic? Um. Aww. both they're, they're not on the same night <laughs> I, I can go to both why not they're not on at the same time oh okay but if you have to pick <laughs> but if i had to pick i mean i've been to electric picnic more recently than i've been to the trinity bowl so maybe that's my answer do you have a preference maybe that, well, they're they're really different. I love the Trinity Ball is so much fun because I work in Trinity. You know, I go in and I see the place I work totally transformed into this cool festival atmosphere. And then Electric Picnic is so much fun because I go there and I pretend I'm a hippie for three days and it's all like, uh, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> That's great. I can't wait to see it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Anyways, cats or dogs? Dogs. Pepsi or cola? Um, neither. University of Dublin or University of California? Uh, Dublin. <gasps> okay. Botanics or zoology? Botanics. Well, I yeah, I'm, I'm really into plants. I like plants, plants are, at home. Plants are cool. Like yeah. they're everywhere. Have you seen them? There's plants that eat animals. It's, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> Like, like if we, like, we're going to die, but plants, no. <laughs> Anyways, I agree. Thrillers or rom-coms? Um, I scare a bit too easily, <laughs> so maybe rom-coms. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Yeah, I get it. I get, I get you so much. We, we vibe. Anyways. <laughs> So now we're going to move on to the big questions. I will now pass on this interview to Claudia. Claudia? Hi. Hi. Okay, so what made you want to get into molecular evolution? Well, um, you know, I decided 
it's more like I stumbled into it than made a decision and said, you know, how do I make this happen? Because I didn't know about it. Um, I barely knew about genetics when I was in school. You know, I, um, you know, I did biology in school, but I didn't have any, I didn't know anybody who worked as a scientist and I didn't know anybody who worked in a university or anything like that. So I didn't even know or imagine that this is something you could do. So I liked science in school and I enjoyed science and especially biology. I liked the genetics bit you do in school, which is not a huge amount. It's possibly more now than it was when I did it, but still I had a really good teacher who was just exceptionally good so when we did the genetics and evolution part he really did it well and I know from talking to people in other schools that some schools they would kind of skip over it quickly and whereas my teacher spent a long time and we understood it really well and I loved it and then so I said okay I like science I'm going to go to university to study science so that's what I did I went to Trinity and while I was there I discovered that, um, you know, I discovered that I like, I thought I might like genetics and I discovered I really like genetics and studying genetics. One of the courses we did was molecular evolution, which is basically looking at how DNA sequences evolve and the patterns and how that changes the organism. And then what happens when things change in the environment? How do you see that in the DNA? And um, I had always liked kind of playing around with computers as well. And I never imagined that this would have anything to do with the, the science I was studying because I wasn't doing computer science. But then it turned out that studying molecular evolution is mostly done through computational biology because now we have DNA sequences, which are essentially extraordinarily big files, or you can split it up into multiple files on a computer, but basically they're just lots of data. Um, that you store in a computer and in order to try and understand what I want to do like you know understanding evolution of genes and genomes and trying to figure out how we can interpret that and make sense of it we use computer programs and coding and so I discovered this thing that I used to do as a very amateur hobby I won't claim I was one of those kids who was like a computer whiz I liked I am um, so we had a, an old Commodore 64 which none of you will have heard of but um is a really cool computer because by as compared to computers today which make everything so easy for you this was much more basic and in fact they all come with a programming language that's called basic and I like to make it do things and so I would find these really short bits of code in basic that I could type in that would just make colors appear on the screen. Like that's the, that was me being sophisticated. You know, the screen would turn red and then it would turn blue and then turn yellow. And I thought I was amazing. And then um, another one would make just stripes of color go across the screen anyway. So I was not fancy or at all, but I just liked it a bit and I wasn't scared of it. And so then I discovered that I could do this, these bits of playing around with code and use that to study DNA sequences and figure out about them. And I just thought this was fun. And so I wasn't planning anything in the sense of I wasn't going calculating, this will be a sensible career for a sensible person. I went, this is fun, I like it, I want to do it more. And that's the way it happened. Okay, so you've won like a ton of awards. Which one are you most proud of? Like, or like which one do you think you worked the hardest to get? Ooh. Worked the hardest to get, oh, they all, they build on each other, you know, in the sense that um, one, like the, when you get one, then it, um, it allows you do the work that helps you get the next one. But um, 
the European Research Council one probably I worked the hardest for, but there's and those are kind of the research awards. But one that I am really proud of in a different way is one I got for science communication from the UK Genetical Society because I really like um, I really like science communication. I really like talking to people about science and um, you know finding new ways of explaining things and all of that. And I discovered that you know. I thought I didn't, before I ever started doing it, I imagined that science communication was going on the news and explaining the latest important thing to the newscaster in a voice like this. The latest important thing is very important. And then I discovered that actually, no, it didn't have to be like that, that sometimes you'd just be having fun with things and going, whoa, this is cool. And um, when I discovered I could do the, whoa, this is cool way, I discovered I was having fun doing it. And again, I did it for that reason. You know, I do everything for selfish reasons, apparently. Um, I did it because I enjoyed it and it was fun. And um, so, you know, I, actually did it at electric picnic gave talks at electric picnic and um, they had a science tent there and that's actually the first time i ever got to go to electric picnic was to talk about science and um, i've done that a few times and that's a really nice way to get a an invitation for a weekend of electric picnic <laughs> one five minute talk for a whole weekend of music festival and cool stuff and um but yeah and then you know going on the radio and doing things and finding fun ways of explaining things and um, I discovered that I could do it the way that I felt like doing it, not in the way I thought it was supposed to be done with the important person voice. So um, I could just be me and do it, which I enjoyed as well. Yeah. So do you think there's like much of a difference of like doing it in person or like on Zoom? Because like obviously now we can't be like in person. <laughs> yeah. I really like being with people in a room Um like this is nice because I can see all of your faces so that's nice but when the group is bigger and um, you can't see the faces I'll see five or six and that feels a bit of a shame and I can't quite tell um, and sometimes you know when you're giving a talk to a group of people you can get a sense of whether they're understanding you or not and you know adjust accordingly and maybe say that thing again in another way you know if you kind of see the baffled looking faces and things like that and it's harder to kind of get that feedback in a sense when you're doing it like this so I do like in person better but I'm very glad that things like Zoom exist because we've definitely needed them in the last year and if we didn't have those in the last year um, it would have been a lot more lonely. Yeah okay so do you do you think you prefer teaching or like researching and like experimenting and stuff? I like them both and actually this is another one of these <laughs> I won't choose but um, this is actually the the model of like university is teaching and research are very much entwined. And sometimes you actually teach through research. So, and then other times it is um, lectures, you know, where it's a bit, it's a bit more like what you're used to already in school in that, you know, one person's doing the talking. Um, but even like, so even one thing I find in lectures is that, um, again finding new ways to explain things and um finding new ways to catch the interest of the students of like why should they care about this thing i'm telling them about this thing for the first time how can i convince them that this is interesting and that forces me to think about things in a slightly different way and there have been times when thinking about how to explain something 
has actually made me think about it in a different way that has helped my research because I've said, or maybe it could be like, you know, I've kind of tried to explain, oh, this is a bit like this. And then I go, hmm, I wonder how much like it it is. I'm going to explore that a bit. And so that works that way. And then in terms of research, I mean, being able to do research as uh, and get paid for it is such a privilege because it means you get to think about what are interesting questions to you and to dedicate your time to trying to figure them out. And then, you know, with the way teaching comes into that in another way is I will have PhD students and um, undergraduate students who are doing their bachelor's degree will spend some time in my lab doing a project as part of their degree. And so teaching them, they'll be doing some research work in my lab. So they, they, the things are really intertwined and that's actually the main strength, I think, of university. Yeah. Okay, so I think I'm gonna pass over to Natalie now. And so I was just wondering, can you sum up uh, what genetic what genetics is in two seconds? In two, two seconds, <laughs> it's still hard. Um, well, genetics is the study of heredity, so you know how traits get passed on uh, from generation to generation, and then and how the and it's thinking about how the changes in DNA result in changes in the organism. And then, so that's the short one. And then of course, there are all kinds of ways of doing that and including from an evolutionary standpoint and from a medical standpoint and from a developmental genetic standpoint and all of these things. Um, so what is your favorite part of your job? Hmm. Well, I think that my favorite part of my job is the fact that it's got so many different bits to it and it's rarely the same. So um, that so many things so like that when I'm teaching or when I'm doing research or when I'm trying to think of a new project, all of these things are really very different. And I think the fact that it's so varied is really nice because it means it never gets boring. Yeah. Um, so what, what is the most interesting thing like you think you have discovered? Ooh. Well, we discovered totally new human genes, so that um, they were, we, well, they, they, we found that these genes that were only in human and they're not even in chimpanzee, so that was fun. Um, and that made like the front page of the newspapers and it was reported in the news all around the world as well because I had former students who emailed me and said, we just heard about you on the radio and I just saw you in the New York Times. So that was fun. That's probably the most um, eye-catching thing. But um, I... I think kind of by its very nature and um, when I'm doing anything, I get obsessed with it when I'm doing it. So I yeah. think everything I'm doing at the moment is really, um, is really the most interesting thing, but it's kind of the nature of the beast. Like that's what makes me do it. That's what makes me want to do it is the fact that I'm like, whoa, this is so interesting. I've got to figure that out. That's really cool. Um, so now that like we're in COVID season, what are you up to? Ah, <laughs> so um, so my my research team, my PhD students are still working away, although all in their own homes instead of in the lab. Um, because our work is computational, um, 
it's quite easy for them to work remotely in many respects. I mean, they still have all the difficulties that everybody has in that, you know, at the very beginning, of course, everybody was really worried and disrupted and it was hard to concentrate and all those kind of things. And then, of course, they miss the aspect of being able to talk to each other to figure out problems, you know, so I'm stuck on this thing. How do you do it? And whatever. So that's still going on. So I talk to my students every week and um, discuss how their projects are going and things like that. And we read papers together and discuss them. You know, we call it journal club. So we'll read recent scientific articles that come out that are interesting for us. And so I'm still doing my teaching online. So that, you know, so that kind of thing. Um, And then, you know, talking to the students in general regularly, because of course they're all on their own and we're trying to make them feel a bit less um, at sea and on their own and adrift and all of that. Um, And then um, other stuff to do with, you know, I'm head of the genetics department at the moment. So there's administrative stuff and things to be decided and all of these kind of things. And um, those things are happening at kind of uh, warp speed at the moment because with all the things that are changing, there's things that would normally happen every year. And then this year, everything needs to be decided. How will we make it happen this year? You know, <laughs> whereas in previous years, it would have just, you know, rolled over this year, everything has to be made done as a decision. And then, you know, yeah. just for kicks, I get involved in, in uh, coronavirus um, stuff, uh, getting active in talking about the coronavirus response and how we should be doing that. As if yeah. I didn't have to be doing, you know. <laughs> And um, so we read that your dog has been genome sequenced. So yes. what does that mean? Okay, so we took a sample from the inside of her mouth, basically with um, a thing that looked like a big cotton swab, essentially, like a cotton bud. And we rubbed it inside her mouth um, around her gums. And when you do that, you basically catch some of the loose cells that are there. So that meant oh. we were able to collect some cells from inside her mouth. And from that, then you can extract the DNA and sequence her whole DNA. So genome is just the total DNA. So it means that we sequenced all of her DNA so that we could see genetically what kind of dog she was, because we got her in dog's trust and we didn't know anything about her in terms of her breed. We had seen a picture of her mother because the way she ended up in dog's trust, my dog ended up in dog's trust because her mother was rescued when she was already pregnant. So then the litter was all born in dog's trust and oh. the mother was adopted by somebody and the, the puppies were adopted by different people. So we got one of the puppies. So we didn't know anything about her. So we said, we can sequence her genome and look at that. And it, lots of dog genomes have been sequenced because it's actually very interesting genetically to look at dogs because they're one species, but they contain a huge amount of difference in the way they look like you've got a Great Dane and a Chihuahua are the same species. And the Great Dane is a Great Dane because genetically there are are genetic differences that make it large and, you know, have those big ears and whatever. And the Chihuahua has genetic differences that make it really small and the little pointy ears and the big googly eyes and all of the other variations of dogs. you have within a single species quite a, quite a large amount of diversity in terms of genetic diversity that has been kind of kept separate in different breeds as well. So it's actually from a genetic point of view, very interesting to study them. So there's all these sequenced dogs. So we could compare our mongrel dog 
to all the sequenced ones. And then you can see, oh, this patch of her. So your, your DNA, you can look at it like strings, you know, and like as a, a line. And you can say, oh, this beginning bit on chromosome one, this looks kind of like Jack Russell. But this next bit here, that looks a bit like um, Border Collie and, you know, all various different breeds. So we could match her DNA sequence up against the DNA sequence of other dogs of known breeds. And we could kind of see, you know, what her ancestry was. And so we found that she was a quarter Jack Russell, a quarter Border Collie, which probably means that one of her parents, well, one of her, it means, it means that uh, one of her grandparents was a Jack Russell and one of her grandparents was a Border Collie. You know, they could have been both on the mother's side, both on the father's side or one each, we don't know. And, and then smaller mixes of other things. So we found some Pomeranian, some Norwegian elk hound, which I had never heard of. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it looks a bit like a, um, looks a bit like a German shepherd, um, yeah. but slightly different anyway. But, you know, this isn't, wouldn't be, let's say a hundred percent accurate because um, especially if there was something rare in her, we were only comparing to a database. So if she had some ancestry that wasn't in our database, we weren't able to find it because we were comparing to a database. So if she had some, let's just say, uh, some fancy breed that's not very common and it hadn't been sequenced yet, we were never going to find that because we were only matching against the things we had. So there is a, there's a bit of error possible, but I'd say the Jack Russell and the Collie were very confident on some of the smaller ones we would just there they look interesting but we'll have a little question mark over them but um but it was it was a that was a project we set for students as well and I bring in in olden times when I used to go into my office I also brought my dog with me so she would sit in the basket of my bicycle and cycle into town with me sit very quietly until we got to Marion Square because she knew that was where we stopped because I would give her a little run before I went into the office and so we'd stop off in Marion Square. She'd get very excited. She'd stay in the basket, but she could hardly contain herself because she'd be going, ooh. And then we get out. I, I would put her down. I would take her out of the basket while I'm still kind of getting myself off the bike. And she dashes into the park to find a stick so we can play fetch. I play fetch with her for a bit. And then she would come and sit under my desk quietly for the rest of the day. And people would come in and she'd go over and greet them and then go back into her bed. And everybody loves her because she's so lovely. That's really cute. Um, so now we're going to pass you again into Claudia. So to finish off, we were just wondering, what would you say to encourage young girls to like get into like science and like genetic genetics and everything? Well, I think everybody should do what they're interested in because that's what I did and it worked out well for me. So I wouldn't want to tell somebody they should do it because I think you should do what you like. But I think if you like it, you should definitely go for it and nothing should stop you. Okay. Thank you so much for talking to us today. <laughs> it was a pleasure. It was fun.